Hi everyone, we are the Goozers, people who do good. We help people dealing with life challenges and empower them to help others. Today, we are hosting Raif Darazi, a leader and an inspiration for many. In 2012, on his birthday, he was diagnosed with, with AIDS. Since then, he fought hard to reshape his entire life, starting by changing uh, his toxic victim mentality. He's gone from a victim to a victor. He's now an HIV undetectable, a pro-natural competitive physical bodybuilder, fitness model and social media influencer and a vlogger, and has 2.5 million views on his YouTube channel. That's amazing. Hi, right? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Hey, so before we'll hear our story, I just want to say that this post- podcast is brought by circlesapp.com, the go-to place for life challenges like grief, divorce, cancer, etc. Every episode, we speak with an inspiring person who moderates an audio chat room for people dealing with the same life challenge. We will tell their story and the story of the members of their group. So, right, as I mentioned, it's Uh, living with HIV, and there are uh, another 40 million people that are dealing with HIV. And people with HIV have a higher risk of some mental health conditions than others who do not have it. And the reason is because they are dealing with stigma and discrimination. Raif, can you please share with us your story and how does the, this intro resonate with you? Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, going back... Even to coming out as gay to my family, um, it's, you know, it's all inter- interlinked in so many ways. I remember well, when I first came out, I was going to church every week and I told my folks, you know, I'm, I'm going to go basically through conversion therapy. And they were totally supported and said, okay, yeah, great. Let's, let's do it. We support you. And then eventually I got so depressed in a way that I hadn't been since I was a teenager when I had an attempted suicide via overdose. I had that again now as I was trying to make myself straight. And I thought, okay, I, I got to change something. I can't go down that road again. So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to accept it. I accept who I am. You know, if that means eternal damnation in hell, so be it. Um, and I told my parents and then they were not okay with that. Well, specifically my mom. And I distinctly remember her having a chat with me when I told her in She was filled with concern and worry and just upset. And she said, you're going to end up in jail. I don't know how that happens with being gay. Uh, and two, you're going to end up getting AIDS. And three, you're going to die. That was like her, her view of what it means to be gay and subsequently getting HIV and death. That was just the track in her mind and, that, and it was solidified. And I think that it crystallizes. How a lot of people view it still to this day yeah and then of course so many years later in 2012 literally on my 27th birthday I got the AIDS diagnosis I was I, at that point I had already I already knew that I had HIV I was told the week before and I had to come back to the clinic and I just want to tell you this little quick story that I was sitting in the doctor's office I'm sitting there waiting for the doctor to come in the doors open and And this nurse walks by and he's like know, six foot two, six foot five, tats, piercings, big burly guy with a hunch. And he walks by and he looks in the room and he goes, hey, you know why you're here, right? And I said, yeah, because I have HIV. And he goes, 
kid, you got way more than that. You got full blown AIDS. And then just walks off. Five minutes later, after I've been talking to my doctor and she realizes it's my birthday and that I studied musical theater, she's insisting that I sing happy birthday to her. So I'm saying happy birthday and she starts tearing up and I start tearing up. The nurse walks by and he pokes his head at me and goes, oh my God, I didn't know it was your birthday. I'm so sorry. And then walks off again. And I'm just like, wow, like, where am I? And what is happening in my life right now? Um, but it was a steep learning curve for me. I didn't, I had learned a lot about the need to avoid STIs, specifically HIV. And up to that point, it was the worst fear in my life was that I was going to get an HIV diagnosis and it came true. But I knew so little about what it meant to actually have a diagnosis and what the potential for my life was moving forward. And so that lack of education is pervasive, not just in, in for me, but as a gay man, you would think I would know the most, but in general, people don't really know. And so there's a lot of stigma around that. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of perception that it, it's either still like it was in the eighties. And if you get it, you're going to die or B isn't there a cure? Like, isn't that cured already? Is that still a thing? That's the other like polar extreme that I get. Um, but if people learn that you have HIV, um, well, people will treat you differently. So that's anyway, that's some of this, that's a little bit of my story and, and touching on the stigma a little bit. Um, sounds like really like a lonely experience there, back there on the clinic. I kind of, I mean, like hearing you there by yourself, it sounds such a lonely experience. Well, I was in a relationship at the time. And so I, when I went home, I told my, my ex, well, my boyfriend at the time, and he went to the doctor and got tested as well. And then also realized that he had AIDS. Yeah. And then shortly after that, I discovered that he had been um, unfaithful. So presume uh, there's no way I'm ever going to know how I got it, where it came from. But that, I mean, usually the simplest explanation is the most logical. Um, so that's kind of what I just, that's the kind of closure I give myself is it's probably from him at some point. And there was a lot of red flags along the way. And, you know, speaking of coming out as gay and dealing with the stigma of that, um, I think that has a major impact on not only your mental health, but your, your self-esteem and how much you value yourself. And so that also carries over into relationships and a lot of dysfunction because had I the self-awareness and self-esteem and did I value myself enough, I wouldn't have put up with 90% of what I put up with in that relationship and probably wouldn't have been in that relationship. And who knows, maybe consequently wouldn't have had an HIV diagnosis. You know, all of those things kind of layer on top of one another. Yeah. Yeah. So if, I don't know if it's fast forward or not, but what was the kind of like you really pivoted your life, right? Like you're totally, it sounds like you're a totally different person. Like you're so many insights and on our previous conversation, you told me so much about kind of like your different approach. So can you, it's probably not a moment, but can you describe like a moment that kind of like an insight that made you, what kind of like was the trigger or kind of like to change and to move forward and at the end, like the result is helping so many people, like the dozens of thousands or maybe millions of people that you're supporting. So I would say, um, if I had to pick a single thing, it would definitely be the diagnosis. 
Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people can relate. Um, excuse me if you hear sirens. I'm in downtown LA where there's yeah, yeah sirens and noise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that a lot of people, when they go through intense difficulty, hardship, hit rock bottom, or get diagnosed with you know cancer or what have you, that can often be a catalyst for immense change in a positive way. Um, and that's that's what happened with me. When I got my AIDS diagnosis, well, the following year, I ended up breaking my ankle um, while I was at a trampoline park. And I think possibly it could have been medication interaction that decreased my bone mineral density. I'll never know really, but so I had a broken ankle and I had a plaster cast from my toes all the way up to my mid thigh. And so I was pretty much bedridden for five to six months. I lost my job, my car got repossessed. I had no income. I was completely dependent on my boyfriend at the time who I discovered was unfaithful. And I'm trying to like, oh my God, like what am I gonna do with my life? So I'm stuck in bed and I just had a lot of time to reflect. And I started to, I just decided to dive headfirst into introspection and reading self-help books. And at the time there was like a, a spiritual online convention that lasted two weeks with like dozens of speakers and topics. So I did, I did that. I did, you know, journaling, gratitude journaling. I made vision boards and just everything I could think of to help me kind of become stronger and, and be more self-aware. Yeah. And I realized over that time that I had been living the majority of my life as a victim. You know, as a kid, I was a victim. I, I witnessed, you know, my mom being physically abused by my biological father when we lived in the Netherlands. And then when I was four and a half, we fled the Netherlands um, using fake names to come to the U.S. And she got refugee status here. And like my whole childhood, I was, I was scared that he was going to come and, and kill her and take me and, and kidnap me back to Morocco. I was using a different name, Timmy Zimmer, until I was 22. And then as a kid, I was bullied incessantly. Every gay slur you can think of before I even knew who I was or what my sexuality was. And so I was victimized in a lot of ways, but I learned how to exist within that. And I learned how to survive with that mentality. So it became part of who I was. So in my teenage years and into my early adulthood, I was still in that victim mindset, even though it wasn't necessary anymore. So it became something that originally helped me to survive and was now something that was kind of keeping me back and holding me back and it was a crutch. And it was affecting me negatively in a lot of ways, pre- preventing my growth. Yeah. That was my big realization. And I was like, okay, if I'm gonna move forward in life, I'm you know, 27 years old. If I'm, first of all, I'm gonna survive. And if I'm gonna thrive and be happy, I can't keep living the same way I have been. Something major has to change. I have to start taking ownership of who I am and my actions and my life and not associate with being a victim anymore. Like you said, a victor. Yeah. And so that's just the, the work that I started to do immediately. And part of that was going to the gym and fitness and taking control of my physical body, my emotional body, intellectual, physical, spiritual, all of it. So I was trying to tackle all those things. And so that's what really spurred me on um, from the get-go. Wow. Well, I've like 
so many questions and thoughts, but I, I like that's really inspiring. I think that's not it's not that common. And and like the next step that you took afterwards, like you took care of yourself, and soon enough you started taking care of others as well. Which uh, and you're as I said, inspiration to so many people, and so. Like there's a lot of volume and a lot of exposure, but I want to take you to the people that you like one or two examples of people that you touched, your story touched and they share with you their story and that really touched you. So if you can share with us just one or two people that uh, uh, yeah joined your audio room, just where you support people, kind of like. Um, so recently I spoke with someone, well, honestly, multiple people who said that they have never, since their diagnosis, and some have had it four or five plus years, have told a single other human being that they had a positive status because they lived in, you know, Kuwait, Pakistan, or Southeast Asia, as an example, um, and just didn't feel safe enough to even share that with family members or friends or anybody. And I can't imagine trying to deal with that on your own and that psychological toll that that takes. So being able to come into a circles room and share it with a number of people is a huge step. I have people who will join and they'll, and they'll just listen for weeks yeah. before they even um, decide to speak up, if at all. And I've also since then developed a telegram room because I feel that these people really need to stay connected throughout the week. So for the rest of the week, they can connect on there. And so I think we're 70 people strong now. I think the last time we spoke, I had about 30 or so. Yeah. Um, I've only put it on my IG stories like two times. I'm a fr- I, I don't want to do it too much because mm-hmm. I don't want to overwhelm everybody, but everybody's there sharing their personal experiences. And then another woman who I met in the room Her name's Kimmy. She's been living with it since the 80s. They told her she was going to die, and she survived. Um, She had a child that she lost also during that time throughout the whole experience. And I I just see her really coming into her own, too, has kind of stepped up as a leader. I think she loves guiding others, um, and a lot of them kind of look up to her like a, like a, a mother bear in a way. So, I mean... I, I could go on about the way it's helping every single person. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us if that's okay, a little bit more about Kim and kind of like if you know one story from the room, like the interactions, because the reason I'm asking is because I want the listeners to, to, to know the end of the day it echoes with them. Like I, I'm, I'm guessing that the things that Kim is sharing or other people are sharing, it really resonates with most of the listeners. So, She's, yeah, she's, she's a really, um, she's a strong gal. <laughs> she's, a, she's a little bit of a firecracker, um, but she's very strong-willed and very strong. And she, she is just the first one to chime in and tell people that HIV does not define your life or who you are or your possibilities for life. And, and is there to, to, talk about stigma and will lift everybody up that she talks to and, and people immediately turn around and say, thank you, Kimmy so much. Like just the fact that 
you have been living with HIV for decades is so inspiring and brings me hope that like I can live my life as well. And um, yeah, because she's been through, I mean, she's been through it with the original HIV drugs that were incredibly toxic. Like the symptoms were so bad all the way up until now. So I think it's nice because she creates this juxtaposition of where we were with HIV and how bad it was and then where we are now. And, and that gives people that gratitude, even though an HIV diagnosis is difficult, they can say, okay, I, I really am lucky to, to be you know, dealing with it today with all of our advancements and things like that. So she keeps it grounded. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah. So we're almost uh, out of time and I want to first thank you so much for sharing, uh, sharing your stories, sharing people's story, being there for people, uh, if, <laughs> almost on any platform possible, like you're uh, building those support systems at scale, which is, uh, which is amazing. And thank you for uh, taking part also uh, uh, in this podcast. Just want to say that people are invited to join your rooms on the circles uh, circlesapp.com or download the app. People can join your room, your Telegram, and follow you on YouTube. And I think, as, as we see, a lot of people are uh, beneficial and getting re basically relief and feeling that they are not alone in the world dealing with this challenge. So thank you so much. Yes, and thank you so much for creating this space for free for people to get the help they need. Amazing. Thank you.